Would you please turn me with your Bible to Psalm 119? The following letter was written by an anonymous person, and a few of the details in the letter have been changed for protection reasons. Dear brother, through the grace of Jesus Christ and your prayers, I am overwhelmed as I write this to you because we have received gifts from you that we can never fully repay. When our Bible was found, it was immediately destroyed. And because we are Christians, we are exiled to a remote village with no chance of ever leaving. Work is hard here. Rations are limited. We are always hungry or sick. We need to forage to survive. But every morning when I open my eyes, I feel the presence of the Lord. And thank our Father God that I am strong enough to be His servant. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Even though it is difficult... I was recently able to cross into China, and there I met with other Christians. They offered me a place to stay there. They gave me food and medicine. And even though I could have had a home there, I could not go. It would have meant freedom. They also gave me a new Bible, for which I am most thankful. I could, however, no, not, not abandon my church or my family, no matter how small it may be. From your perspective, brother, our suffering must appear as though we are living a cursed life. However, we see it as a blessing because it is a shortcut to the Father. But yet, brother, I have one request more, that you send our gratitude for those who continue to pray for us. In return, we'll stay healthy and continue to spread the gospel throughout North Korea. Your sister in Christ. That sister in Christ and every Christian in that village, when they desire to look into God's Word, they have to go off into the forest, and the hidden place wrapped up is a Bible that they uncover. And when no one who is in authority is looking, they spend time looking into God's Word, encouraging their heart and sharing it. And then they wrap it back up, and they put it in its hiding place. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 119. We're going to be encouraged by the tool that God has given us to have encouragement, to have strength, to have wisdom, and to have confidence in this world. If you're not already there, please do turn to Psalm 119. We are going to be uh, bouncing around quite a bit, and I know in my Bible, Psalms is spread out over a few pages, so just be prepared to turn back and forth. We will not have the various verses on the screen, but I will give you a little bit of time to get there. When we look at the Word of God, I want to challenge us today that the Bible should be a top priority in my life. I don't want you to rush past that statement. When we look at Psalm 119, it's such a fascinating scripture, 176 verses. 
174 out of 176 of these verses actually mention the Word of God with some reference. We've listed in your bulletin, I know some of you like to write these things down, and there were too many of these that would have taken uh, too long to write them down. So in your bulletin, just below the order of service, we've given a list of the words that are used for the Scripture in Psalm 119. They are law or laws, commands or commandments, principles, decrees, light, rules, ways, statutes, and judgments or decisions. These nine you will uh, come across when you read through it so many times. It's a fun little uh, uh, game for you if you want to go through that and find the two verses that do not contain a reference to the Scriptures. I did it just a couple days ago and it jumped out to me, the two verses, without cheating and looking it up on Google. I figured out which two verses did not have that reference. I challenge you to do the same. As we look at Psalm 119 today, we're going to be challenged with the bigness of God's Word. This is something that is special for you and for I. And so the bigness of it should be a challenge to us to not take it for granted. We're going to see the benefits that are available, and then we're going to see what it should look like in our life. First of all, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about this book? Why is it that we gather together every week and open it up? Why is it that this is the middle name for our church fellowship, Calvary Bible Church? What's the big deal? There are so many things that are unique about this book that should give us encouragement and put wind in our sails in our confidence of this book. And one of them right at the top is this is the only book that has ever been written or that will be written that is indestructible. The Bible, as God has given it, is indestructible. Look at verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Turn over to verse 152. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. This book we will have forever. It is indestructible. Are you aware at the number of attempts there have been to try to annihilate the Bible? To try to get rid of it? We just heard a story about a, a woman who cannot have it legally. She has to hide the one for her Christian village. And the Bible has survived attack of every kind. It has survived the attack of totalitarian regimes who wanted to get rid of it because it worked against what they wanted to accomplish. Some of, some of us are familiar that it has survived the attack of civilized scholarship, trying to say that it's not credible or that we don't need it or that we've come so far in the day that we live in that the Bible is outdated. But neither one of those has accomplished the destruction of God's Word. And through many dark ages of man, the Bible's glorious promises have survived, and they will continue to survive. This book that we have is indestructible. I want you to hold your place here in Psalm 119. I don't want you to turn to the New Testament, but I'm going to see if you can finish this verse that I'm going to, that I'm going to read for you. 
In 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, it says this. See if you can complete the verse when I get to the end. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Nice job. This book is indestructible. Another reason why we have tremendous confidence in this special book that God has given is because this book is truthful. The Word of God is truth. When we look at Jesus Christ when He was on trial, before He would go to the cross, I'm enamored with the conversation He had with with Pilate. And as He talked with Pilate back and forth, sometimes Christ would ask questions, but sometimes He would make statements. And in that conversation between Christ and Pilate, Jesus was driven to the point He drove Pilate to the point where Pilate asked, what is truth? That is a question for the ages. What is truth? Man is searching for truth. They want to know what they can count on. Many have just given up on their search. Is there something such as truth? And Jesus Christ tells us what truth is. And we find here in Psalm 119, turn over to verse 142. This book that we have is truth. Psalm 119, 142 says, Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Look at 151. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Look at 160. The sum of your word is true truth. We find repeatedly in this psalm the confidence that we have because this word is true. How did that happen? How is it that we have from Genesis through Revelation these 66 books of truth that we can count on? And even though we might not be able to understand sometimes, that does not make any difference in the fact that this is truth. How did we get that? In the New Testament, we have an explanation of this in 2 Timothy 3.16 where it says, All Scripture is breathed out. The reason this is true is because this is the Word of God, the very words of God. It is God who gave us this book 3,308 times the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, or something very similar to it. God said, Jesus said, thus saith the Lord, 3,308 times. The reason why we have wonderful confidence in this book is because it is a book of truth. There is no lie in it because God cannot lie and He has given us His Word. And oh, how we need it today. Sisters, brothers, Oh, how we need this book today. And the devil would pull our attention to so many other things to give more time to, to hold up. Give a little bit of lip service to the Bible. Yes, say that you like it, but don't give it as much time as you used to, or maybe don't start it in the first place. This book commands our attention. 
When we read Psalm 119, 119, we are faced with the immense Word of God. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it of you anyway. Is anyone here concerned for the generation that's coming after us? Any, anybody? How many times have we given that thought? How about when you think of the generation after the generation, maybe the grandchildren or great-grandchildren? Have you thought about the mess that they might be in? When we give our mind to that question, it can be discouraging. It can be daunting. We can find ourselves scrambling to say, what can we do now that will make a difference a hundred years from now? And I can say with confidence that two generations away, And three generations away, they are going to be okay because the Word of God is forever. The same Word that you have, the same Word that shows you the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the same Word that gives you instruction on how to live daily, they will have that Word. Men will try to wipe it out. Men will be crucified, and I don't know what the future of America is regarding the Bible, but I can tell you nothing will come against this word. But it starts with us. It starts today. We must understand the immensity of God's word, and it starts with us, and we must, we must be modeling this for the generation after us. They need to see that the word of God is not only important to us, but that it has changed us. It has helped us, and we give it credit, and we brag about it. It starts with us, and we must not neglect the generation to come. Opportunities that we have for young people to memorize, to be in Bible clubs and learn God's Word, we must not set those aside. So millions have made knowing this book a priority. Why? What's the reason why they would do this? Or what does this book offer? In my study, I had a list of, I think it was A through X, of all the things just in Psalm 119 that this book offers, but we're only going to look at two. First of all, this book offers wisdom. When you know this book in your mind and you put it in your heart, wisdom is available. Look, Look starting in verse number 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Look at verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Turn back to 24. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. We live in an information age. We live in an age where you can pick up a device and punch in something and find all kinds of answers. I've already done it at least three times today. There is no better counselor than this book. And when you find yourself in the real world, in the moment, you want what is in this book to come back and then to come out. 
This is what God has given us in this weary world. When this was written, in the place where it was written, it was a dry and desert land. You could travel for miles and miles and and not see a healthy tree. And yet in Psalm number 1, we are given a picture of a healthy tree in a barren land. In Psalm 1, it talks about a tree that is healthy, and that tree that continues in health is there because it is planted by, do you remember what it says there? It's planted by the waters. If you think that we live in desperate times, and we live in a desperate world, I agree. And that is why more than ever, you need to fix yourself next to this book daily, allowing this, your root system, to go down into this book. And then when you come out, you won't, even, you won't even know it sometimes when the wisdom comes out. It flows out of you. The better you know the Word of God, the better you will know the God of the Word. And you're going to need this. It gives wisdom. It also gives confidence. Some need more confidence when they go through this world. Confidence for the right things. You are going to need confidence when you sin, when you fail, and you're wondering if you can get back up. You're wondering if there's a future for you. You've blown it. Again, you need confidence that God wants to use you. Some of you need confidence when the devil sneaks that lie in that you're completely alone. He uses it. It does not matter where you're at, your age, how many people you're surrounded with, the devil wants you to believe that you are alone, and that is a lie from the pit of hell. What is the best source of confidence? God's Word. Look at verse 28. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And then even when sin has won the battle of the day and you're facing more temptations, what do we do when the temptations keep coming and they're not going to stop until we're with our Savior? Look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Look at verse 29. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. The Bible builds our confidence. Many of you are familiar with before a sporting event in the locker room, the team, before they go out on the field or on the court, the coach will gather everybody around. All right, everybody, come in. Come on in. Listen up. And everybody sits quiet, and they all listen to the coach. And the coach might know that they face a tough opponent. The coach might know that they have a losing record. And yet still, that coach, if he's a good coach, gives a pep talk that cannot be ignored. Maybe some of them get chills. Some of these knuckleheads start to scream and bang on things and run out of the locker room. They're ready to go. You need the pep talk of God's Word every day before you go into your world. It needs to be a part of you. Now, I recognize the struggle for many because 
it's my struggle as well. What about the parts I don't understand? You know, can we get real here? Some of you have gone through the entire Bible. Are there some parts in there you don't understand? Holy cow, please say I'm not alone, right? There are some parts in there that are very, very difficult. But do not let the fact that there are some things that are hard to understand, some that might take years for you to grab, or um, even multiple times of studying it to have it in your mind, in your heart, do not allow that to discourage you from the immensity of God's Word. Where can you start? Start with the things that you can understand. You can understand that God's Word teaches us to be patient, can't you? Nobody wants to start with that one, patience. You can understand that God's Word tells us that God is love and we need to be love. You can understand that God tells us we shall not lie. We should not covet. There are things that you can understand. Start with those and be faithful. And the Holy Spirit as your teacher will bring more understanding and more knowledge. I believe it was... Mark Twain, who said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that give me problems. It's the part of the Bible that I do understand. That's what I struggle with. Don't give up just because of some confusing parts. Have confidence in God's Word. Wonderfully, God has given us this book to give us wisdom and to give us confidence. So how do we respond? It's kind of a no-brainer. But even Psalm 119 tells us specifically some ways that we can respond. First of all, we treasure this book. We treasure it. God's Word needs to be so valuable and precious to us. Turn over to verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. That's the psalmist writing, and I, I couldn't give a sermon illustration today of a bunch of silver and gold pieces over here and a Bible on this side and letting somebody choose. But that's the picture. Your law. He's not just talking about the, the kind parts, the sweet parts, baby Jesus parts. He's talking about all of God's Word is more precious than any amount of silver or gold. Verse 97, maybe under your application in your notes, you could put this verse down. Oh, how I love your law. And the ESV has an exclamation point there. It is my meditation all the day. And then just a couple verses down, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I think to be realistic, we need to understand this is a combination of at least a couple things. It's a combination of of discipline. You're not going to feel like it every day. You're going to get done with some days and scratch your head and say, I'm not sure what good that did for me. But a discipline of saying, I will do this. As the psalmist said, it will be my meditation each day. He said, uh... Where's the, my meditation all the day. So it's part discipline, but then also here it's part love. And if you do not yet have a love for the Scriptures in your heart, it'll come. Don't give up. It will come. 
Because you're going to see it playing out in your life. You're going to find God bringing those verses back to your mind just when you need them. A combination of discipline and treasuring this or love. To be very practical, and some of you do a wonderful job of studying the scriptures. Others of you need to take a step forward. Some of you need to take the first step in making this book part of your life. Don't get tied down. Um, You might get bored with something. We're all built differently. Some of you need to do the exact same thing every day. I know people like that, right? Some of you need to do something for a while and then change it. Shake it up a little bit. For myself, um, I'm in the Scripture. I'm in four different places um, every day. I'm in the Old Testament, going through that, and then I'm in the New Testament, going through that. I do a proverb a day, whichever day it is. Anybody know the date today? Today is the 9th. Proverbs 9 is for today. And then I also go through the songs because there's something special about the songs. So four places I'm in the Scriptures. But even recently, I'll give you this resource um, if you're a guy who, or a girl who likes um, to change things or check things out. Um, I have just discovered, I like to listen to the Scriptures, and I just found where I can listen to it and read it at the same time, and I can listen to it and read it at the same time, and they put different voices, and they'll even do some music in the background and even some sound effects. Nothing cheesy, but just when it says thunder, they'll just have a light thunder in the background. Um, If you go to YouTube and ESV Visual Audio Bible, or Audio Visual Bible, ESV Audio Visual Bible, and I've added that, and I... Um, in the morning, we'll press play on these different sections, and it reads it out loud, and I read the words, and it's just wonderful. It's been such a help. There, there are dozens of different reading plans, dozens of suggestions. Some of you use the Daily Bread. There's a Bible reading schedule in there. You can go online, or you can call the church office, and we can suggest something. The point is, if you haven't started, just start. Don't get discouraged. If you've never had reading the Bible part of your daily plan, start even today. I I recommend the New Testament. You know, and I've said this a few times to a few different groups, a lot of people want to start reading the Bible, and where's the most natural place that many people want to start reading in the Bible? Where, Where do you think? What book do you think? Genesis. Yeah, I can see your lips moving out there. Genesis. And so people are stoked about it. Sometimes January 1st, they're really excited. So they start in Genesis, and they go pretty good until they get to... About Leviticus. Leviticus is kind of the punchline of the Bible reading schedule. It kicks people off. And they say, no thanks, not anymore. Don't start in the Old Testament. Start the New Testament. Start with the story of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe the Gospel of John. The Gospel of Matthew. I will preach at you a little bit. I think every Christian should read through the entire Bible at least one time. And that's a discipline. It might take two years. You can listen through parts of it. And there are parts, uh, you know, Alistair Begg says that all of the Word of God is equally inspired, but it's not all equally inspiring. (laughs) That's true. And that's not (laughs) heresy. Start today. We treasure God's Word. But it's a combination of discipline and treasuring it. And then we proclaim it quickly. Look at verse 13. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Who wants to listen to somebody declaring rules? Well, God wants to hear you declaring His rules. Turn to 46. 
I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and not be put to shame. Is that helpful for today? I will speak of your testimonies before kings. I know some that don't even want to put a Jesus fish on the back of their car. And this says, I'll speak about it before the most important person that I know. Do not be ashamed of God's word. And then turn to the very end of the the Psalm 172. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. When we treasure God's word, it is going to flow into the many situations of life where we need it. There are six questions that I want you to ask when you come to the Word of God. If you're brand new to this and you're thinking, I don't get anything out of it, almost any section of Scripture that you go to, if you ask these six questions, you can get something, even to the point where you can even teach a class or a devotional from these six questions. I have put these six questions already in the bulletin just below the order of service because I'm going to say them really fast. Is there a promise to claim? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a blessing to enjoy? Is there a command to obey? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a thought to carry with me? Maybe read through these questions before you go through your study of God's Word and see what jumps off the page. Our minds must be held captive by the truths in this book. And if our minds are not held captive, then something else is going to hold your mind captive. And likely something that is going to push you farther away from God instead of drawing you closer to Him. I want you to imagine we were having a conversation after church and, and baseball season's arrived and you're a big Detroit Tigers fan, much to your dismay. And I share with you, well, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Man, I love the Cubs. I, I think I heard an amen out there for the Cubs. I'm a huge Cubs fan. I love the Cubs. Man, just, uh, I'm a huge Cubs fan. In fact, I've got, I've, got the, I've got a hat that I wear sometimes, Cubs hat. Look at that. I don't wear hats too often, but when I wear a hat, I wear a Chicago Cubs hat. I'm a Cub fan. And I share that with you. And every once in a while, I'll walk by and say, hey, how about them Cubs? How about them Cubbies? Let's imagine we get to the fall. And imagine it's October. And you come up to me with your eyes bright. And you say, hey, congratulations. And I say, why are you congratulating me? Well, the Cubs. Oh, what about them? The Cubs are playing in the World Series. Well, they are. Wow, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah, when they, when they made that trade, that historic trade, the three best players in the major leagues, and they got all three of those players in the, at one time, just an incredible piece of genius taking them to the World Series. How about that? Well, I didn't even know about that. Would you believe that I am a big Cub fan if I didn't know they were going to play in the World Series and I didn't know they made a historic trade to get all the best players? 
You wouldn't believe it for a second, would you? I can give lip service to being a fan of a sports team. And you and I can give lip service to the Bible. We must have this molding and shaping our minds, our hearts, our words, our actions. And when we do, we will be drawn closer to God. Would anybody be here be disappointed if Jesus Christ returned in the rapture today, even this morning? Anybody here be disappointed? No. We'd be with our Savior, our Heavenly Father. Until then, the best thing that we can have to see them is peering into God's Word. Don't allow yourself to open it up for 30 minutes one day a week and scratch your head as to why it seems like you can't get victory in this world. This book draws us closer to the God who gave us this book. Would you bow with me? We'll ask for God's help with this. Gracious Father, when we open your book, we we see you. We see things that are filled with grandeur, things that we just scratch the surface of beginning to uh, understand them. And there are times we look at your book and we feel so loved. We feel like it surrounds us and just holds us tight, its promises and its truths. God, I pray, I pray for everyone hearing this message today, that the Word of God would not just be special sometimes, but each day. For those who have a good practice and discipline in your Word every day, continue to bless them and strengthen them. For those who are try, have been trying, help them to take that next step. Help them to be closer to you by being closer to your Word. And for that one who knows Jesus Christ but has never gotten to know the Word of God really at all, help them to be brave enough to take that first step and not get discouraged when it gets hard. To have a discipline, but understand that a love will come. And then today, there might be one that has never read the Word of God or never given much time to it because they don't know the Son of God. I want to give an invitation today. If there's someone here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you could be forgiven of those and spend eternity with God. You can pray and ask God to save you today. I'm going to ask the piano to play through. As the piano prays, you pray. However the Lord leads you. It might be a prayer of, of asking for forgiveness. It might be asking God to help you in a certain way. You pray however God leads. Amen.